Hey, this is Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Living Redefined Podcast. This is a place where we discuss modern day topics and attack them with biblical truths. The goal that we have is just to make daily decisions based on morality and integrity. I want to help you move forward in your faith, and I hope that today helps you do that. Enjoy the message. Hey, what's up? Welcome to another episode of Living Redefined. I'm your host, Dusty Otis. Excited to jump into today's topic. Really going to take the next five weeks and start talking through doing for one, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. And really, how does that start? What does it look like? And so um, why do Sundays exist? Um, What is it all about? And so if you're a note taker, um, just a podcast listener, I appreciate you. And hopefully you get something out of today. This is meaningful for me. And and I'm taking a different approach to these over the next few weeks to see what happens. So you know, we gather on Sundays in church services for worship, discipleship, and evangelism. If you listen to the past few podcasts, you've heard that. And so understanding that worship and discipleship are both byproducts of evangelism. Evangelism is this Christian word that really just means sharing, showing who Jesus is, right? This happens best in an authentic community. And for that to happen, we must have real relationships. And to be a community of faith, we must be true disciples. That's why we say uh, relationship, discipleship, and community. Disciple is just another word for follower, follower of Jesus. We believe that he is the way, the truth, the life, all those things. It's all scriptural. And so, so then we need to identify what we have in common when we, when we gather around this topic of, um, if we're really going to share with others what God did for us, what did he do for us? What do we believe? Um, for me, it's, he saved me. He forgave my sins. He changed my life. And so then Sundays, the, the Sunday gathering, the church body, not the church building, Sundays, uh, and, and this right here, like you're engaging in a message. So this isn't for somebody who's faint of heart or, or pretending to be a follower of Jesus. Um, when you sit down and you engage, you drive, you listen, whatever you do, when you take, take part in a Sunday gathering, you do that to grow in your relationship, to come and not just consume, but to contribute because without the message of Jesus, worship and discipleship just doesn't happen. And so if you think about it, some of the some of the more cooler things you've ever been invited to have probably been hangouts, um, parties, concerts, events, sporting events, right? Sporting games. Um, everybody remembers who they invited to prom or, or who invited them to prom, right? And so you ever thought like, why did why did the person invite you? to what you were going to, whether it be prom or a party or a concert or, or a game, why'd they invite you? The reality is they had a belief that it was going to be awesome. It was going to be awesome, man. You need to come to this. They believe so much in it that they paid for your ticket. They paid for your meal. They paid for the gas, which is a commodity these days, right? Saw a meme the other day of a, of a horse <laughs> parked outside of a grocery store just that it has begun. And so for those of you who invite and pay for the gas, we appreciate you. And so, so then why do we invite knowing that that's the reason to invite and, and the anticipate and anticipation of what happens at that event? Why do we invite to church? Well, the same reason that, that we believe the game's going to be good. What do we believe about church? He saved me. Jesus forgave my sins. Jesus changed my life. And we believe this enough to invite because we believe that he'll do the same for you. And so if you've ever been invited to church, um, you remember that first invite you got, or maybe this podcast is the first time you're getting to actually hear something that's, that's, you know, might be titled as Christianity. 
And so if not, the, the, the other thought I had was, do you remember when your parents made you go to church? Did you, did you have parents that made you go to church? I mean, that's how I got back into church. I was a junior in high school and my dad got invited by a coworker. And, and so my dad drugged me and my sisters along. I was a junior in high school. I wasn't trying to go to church on Saturday night. That's it was Saturday night church. And so, um, Saturday nights as a junior in high school, you have trouble to find. And that's really, <laughs> that was my approach back then because I was ignorant. And, and so you have to realize this was before cell phones and pagers. Uh, <laughs> we were, um, pagers at the time were, um, only for doctors and drug dealers. Okay. So it wasn't that it was before pagers, but if you had a pager, you, you didn't have the best, um, you didn't have the best rapport with the older generation. And so knowing that church was from six to eight on Saturday nights really kind of stunk for me because all I had was a landline. I had to wait to get back home to make phone calls. And by the time I got back home, um, got out of church, everybody was already out for the night. And so this led to me just going up to the gym and working out in a little, little podunk town that I grew up in. And so this didn't make me favor having being drugged to church. Didn't make me favor my dad too much because these were precious Saturday nights and little backstory. The reality is the man that I call my dad is really my stepdad. Uh, he was, he, he's been my dad since I was 18 months old. So that's all I've ever known. That's why I call him dad. But the reality, the truth is my biological father was an alcoholic and a drug, a drug addict, and he died of an over, overdose in his early forties. I never knew him, never met him. And so then my dad, who's always been my dad was really doing me a big favor because there's addiction in my family um, still to this day. And so the man who invited my dad, his name was Bobby. And, and I'm super thankful for Bobby. Bobby has a sweet mustache. He's a great guy. And I just want to ask you right now, do you remember the, the person who invited you to church when you actually went and, and just highlight the fact that when they invited you, they believed one thing that Jesus is real that, and they believed it so much. So because they've experienced it, right. Experienced what salvation, forgiveness, and life change. And they believe this, Hey, he saved me. He forgave my sins. He changed my life. He'll do the same for you. This is the message of the gospel. This is really what evangelism is, is to go out and share with others what God has done with you. So, you know, 2022, we approached that a little bit different way. And really, it's just having integrity and Christ-like character and being an example of who Jesus is. And the reality is people who invite understand that the love and the hope and the power and the presence of God in your life can help you and it can change you. That was and is the belief of the person who invited you then and, and the person who got you to church, really. Now, the truth is we all have to believe for ourselves. Their faith doesn't keep me in church. It doesn't take me any farther in my relationship. It only gets me to the door. But we needed that person because of relationship. We had to have that person because of the relationship. It's rare that perfect strangers invite perfect strangers to go to a strange place, right? And so whoever brought you, whoever invited you plays a massive role in your future. And the reality in all that is God has a plan for you. And that's, that's made its way into the Christianese world and God has a plan for you. There's a purpose. And that's true. That's true. But you're not finished where you are and whether you're in church every weekend or you're, you know, once a, once a month or a twice a year, God has something for you that's greater than you can comprehend. And so 
Um, the title of today's message is The One. It's The One. The One, I want to highlight the one who brought you, but I also want to highlight you. You're the one. Somebody was the one for you, and now you get to step into the shoes. You are in the shoes of being the one for somebody. And this is our plan. We're all called to go and make disciples. And so the reality is, is God's plan is you. Our plan is people. It's, it's why we're here. Our why is people. Our heart is people. We want to reach our cities, our communities, our streets, our house. And it only happens one at a time. So we can talk about and feel the pressure of feeling, you know, responsible for hundreds or thousands or twenties or tens. But the reality is it starts with one and it starts with you, which means your belief that God wants to use you must increase. If we're going to reach our house or city, our communities, if we're going to see a move, then it's going to take all of us. And so then to build up the body of Christ, we must reach people. The Bible says to shine a light, shine a light so all men can see. If you're going to be a light where you live, you must first be <laughs> built. You must be a believer, right? And then after you've been a believer, now you can be part of building the body of believers. Not for metrics, not so your pastor can say, hey, guess how many people we had this weekend or guess how many cars were in the parking lot. It's not about that. It's about depth. It's not about width. It's not about how much. And It's not quantity. It's quality. We want quality relationship with God. And so Jesus is going to come at some point and rescue the church. That that time is in the near future. And so that's you and me. We are his church. It's not a building. And a matter of fact, I don't even call our church building a church. I just call it the building. I'll see you at the building because that building without people is just a building. It's not the church. Hey, meet me at the church. Well, if I say meet me at the church and there's no people there, it's not a church. It's a building. I don't care how beautiful it is. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care how long it's been here. It's a, it's a building. Okay. And there's nothing special about that building when it's empty. What makes it special is when people gather in the name of Jesus, God's power and God's presence fill his people. And you see movements. You see awesome signs and wonders. If our expectation is up, if we anticipate it, if we're not being ritualistic and religious in our approach, in our in our going, and if it's not a heavy have to, but it's a get to, a get to go and actually shelf everything that's on my mind and everything that's happening in my life. And I get to turn all my attention, all my focus on Jesus. And when we all do that together, amazing things happen. We call them miracles. And so then so then we are his church and he's going to rescue his church, his people, you and me at some point soon. And so then if we're going to have an impact in our house, if we're going to have an impact in our community, at our workplace, you know, regardless of position, we, we must have influence. Impact comes with influence. Influence comes through relationship. And so then we must leverage our relationships to help those closest to us, period. I think that we all know somebody that could use a little more light, a little more hope, a little more Jesus in their life, right? They could use a great body of believers. They could use some like-minded people. They could use some community. Community seems to be a hot word right now in a post-COVID world. And the reality is it is because people are starving for people. The, the fact that people are willing to give out their phone number right now is a game changer. And so then it's about community. It's about people. Luke 12, 34 says, God says, Wherever your treasure is, it's also where you'll find your heart. God's treasure is people. It's why he came. God's treasure is people. It's why he sent his son, Jesus. My treasure is people. It's why I do this. We treasure people. It's our why. 
It's Matthew. It's really Matthew six twenty one. Matthew six twenty one and Luke twelve thirty four go hand in hand. Wherever your treasure is, that's also where you're going to find your heart. And so, what are we saying? Community, relationship, and discipleship. It's Acts two forty two through forty seven. Knowing that the local church, that's the body, the local community of faith. Okay, the local church body is the hope of the world. So then, we're the hope of our communities. We're the hope of our cities. We're the hope of our businesses. We're the hope of our schools. We're the hope of our house. This is about us, not a building. And so then it's not about having another church or needing another church, right? It's about people with the guts living out their faith. It's about people who have Christ-like character. It's about people who have integrity, where when others get around us, they know that we're real. They know that we're respectful and they know we're welcoming. What I just say there, it's, it's our values. They know that we're real. Right? That's called honesty. Just be real. Just be honest. They know that we're respectful. Respect everyone, always. That's honoring. And we're welcoming. It's hospitality. A little Southern hospitality. Honor, honesty, hospitality. And so then, the body of believers, the church exists for, for those who come inside the walls on Sundays. But, it, but it's even greater. It's about evangelism. It's getting outside of the walls. And so if you have a church home or you call your community home, or if you just call your house home, it starts there. It starts there. Matthew 7, 1 says, therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them. This is what the law and the prophets are all about. Here's what's unique. The law is Old Testament. That's Moses. It's good stuff. It's great to learn from. It's incredible stuff, but it's not about the law. I love it in Matthew 7, how it says, this is the what the law and the prophets are all about. Prophets is New Testament. That's the disciples. This is following after Jesus. Matthew 7, 1 says, Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them. First John 22, 6 says, The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. We are called to his purpose to have his heart. God's purpose and his heart is people. Why is this important? Why is this so important? Why, why are we starting this series in this way? What is it about the one and doing for one? The reality is 89% of all people would say they're unsure why they're here on planet Earth. They have no clue why they're walking the Earth. And so then is that to work for a living? Is that to make as much as we can? Excuse me. Buy as much as we can, right? God knows why they're here. He knows why you're here. And so then we reach our community to bridge the gap. As, as followers of Jesus, we reach our communities, we reach our houses to bridge the gap through our relationships so we can build the kingdom. What do you mean the kingdom? So it can be on earth as it is in heaven. Doing for one person helps take people from no purpose to on purpose. What am I saying? Doing for one person helps take people from no purpose to on purpose. Meaning... That's pretty significant. That's the difference between success and significance. Success is what we define it as, right? The house, the car, the job, the money, uh, the status, all those things, right? Success. But what you want in your life is, is significance. Significance is being used by God. It's being used by God to help somebody get to heaven. It's a familiar story in Luke 5, chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse 18 through 25. Jesus is teaching. He's teaching in a house. The house is full, and it's so full that people are looking through the windows. They're out in the front. They're all around, and so full that people can't get to him. And there's a group of friends that have 
another friend and he's paralyzed. He's on a mat and they believe so much in Jesus that they think we got to get this guy there. And so verse 18 says, just then some men showed up carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They were trying to bring him into the place where place and place him before Jesus. But since they found no way to carry him in because of the crowd, they went up on a roof and let him down on the stretcher through the roof tiles in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Immediately he stood up before them, picked up the mat and he'd been laying on and he went home glorifying God. Now, it wasn't the paralyzed man's faith that got him there, just like it wasn't mine who got me to church. It was his friends. They believed it was the guy who invited my dad. He believed it was my dad taking me. He believed. They believed. Notice Jesus calls the paralyzed man friend, not stranger. And if you read furthermore into this, you'll see that Jesus has to tell the guy twice to get up. He has to tell him twice. The first one didn't click. That's a lot like me growing up. He had to tell me twice, okay? Now, he calls him friend, not stranger. We're all friends. We all have friends. That's why we're here in this community. That's why you call this church home. That's why you call Living Redefined what you call it. That's why you're engaging. It's why you're, it's why you're digging in. That's why you're taking a step further, right? Because it's not about a building. It is about building uh, community. It is about growing in your relationship with God and with people. It is about discipleship. In a podcast, it's more about your personal walk than anything else, right? And so then, a couple things you see. The guys who brought their friend on the mat, they knew whatever it took to get him there, no matter what, they were going to bring him to Jesus. You bring others to get those closest to you in the presence of God. Because when we gather in his name, or two more gather, it says he is there. And so that's all that needs to take place is just to get to the door, right? Now they get there and they can't get in because everyone has their back to them. You think about it. I can picture this now. It's a lot like church today. We have people hurting all around us, but nobody can see them because our backs are to them. And we're just focused on getting our fill, watching the praise and worship team lead, um, listening to a pastor, you know, get all anxious and, and uptight a little bit and let us know what he learned today or, you know, what you're doing wrong. And we've created some insiders clubs and, and we've gotten less concerned about the loss. Now that's not us. That's not my MO. That's not, that's not why I live. That's not why I exist. And so we, we're not only looking out the windows, but we're going outside of those windows. We're not having our back turned, looking away from people. We're actually turning around and we're facing outward. That's how we should be. But because these guys brought their friend and nobody could see them, they had to go the hard way. I hope you see the importance here. These guys didn't just want to get their friend to Jesus. They had to. They felt the need. They knew and they believed this man, Jesus, can change your circumstance. And so they, on a stretcher, four guys, carry him up to a roof. I would love to have just seen how they did that right? You know, they didn't have the, the 12 foot ladders. Okay. And so they were, <laughs> they were figuring it out. So they carried him up to the roof. They dug through the roof and they lowered him in whatever it takes, whatever it takes all for a friend, all for a friend to find Jesus. And I'm sure several times one, if not all of them wanted to stop, but they never did. All four stayed unified the whole time because they believed if we get this one guy to Jesus, I know what happened when I met Jesus. I know what I have. I know what happened to me. I believe it'll do the same, that, that Jesus will do the same for you. And so then reaching people for Christ is why the church exists. It, it is our holy to do. 
it's a holy to do or a holy have to, as some people say. Have to becomes a little bit heavy. So I would say it's a holy to do. And even more importantly, I would say that we don't have to do's. We have two who's. And we're talking about the one, the one. And so we all feel the need to reach people. We're compelled to do whatever it takes, including breaking through a roof. If these four friends knew this one guy getting to Jesus can change his life, what they know? He can't get here by himself. There's no way this guy who's paralyzed on a mat is going to get to Jesus. But he can through us. He could get to Jesus through his friends. And I think we all have family. We all have friends who are like this, who are sitting on stretchers, who need us to get them there. Here's why his friends brought him. And this is why we're going to bring our friends. Unity. There's one goal, one cause, one purpose. They did for one. Romans 12, 4 and 5 says, For just as we have many members in one body, and all members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. One another. This is the difference between attending and assembling. If we just got all the livers together, the livers wouldn't do nothing for anybody. Right? And so then the whole body must come together. Knowing that God's called us to go means to get outside the walls of your church, of your car, of your couch, of your house, wherever you are. And because we do, people get to see why we're here. And they see that, it, that, that we exist for them, that we know something they don't, that we know someone they don't. And that includes all of us. And so then you are part of them and they are part of you. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God. To those who are called according to his purpose. We are called here for his purpose. We're called here for people. And so when we're on purpose with God's purpose, get that? When we're on purpose with God's purpose, he will do incredible things through us because our will aligns with his on earth as it is in heaven. And so then, what is our treasure? People, your friends and your family. Acts 2 says they were like families because they were. Who brought the man to Jesus? His friends. His friends. Man, I'm thankful for friends like that. How many of you know somebody on a mat right now? Why did his friends bring him? Their wills aligned. They were unified. They believed in the cause. He saved my life. He forgave my sins. He changed my life. So then who do Sundays exist for? Who does the Sunday gathering exist for? People. They exist for community. They exist for relationship. Depth in those relationships with God and with each other. They exist for discipleship. All of that's great, but it must happen. All that's great, but it must happen through the message, through the life-changing message of Jesus. And so then, there are people who need you. There are people who need us. But they need to know that we're here. <laughs> that we don't have our back to them. And they need to understand that we care. Because Sundays don't exist for pretenders. They exist for learners. Because we all have found that place where we say, yeah, he saved me. He forgave my sins. He changed my life. He changed my life. He changed my life forever. Do you remember that? I got a good friend down in Charlotte, North Carolina. He says, your memory is your motivation. 
I can't tell you how many times I have to go back to my memory. Your memory is your motivation. And so the ask today is to be a bringer. It's to be a bringer. I want you right now to commit to go to a local church on Easter Sunday. You got about five weeks. And there's two parts to this. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about inviting and bringing. And wherever you went last year, if, you, if you're somewhere, you've never been to church or you, you're in a town, but you say, man, I don't even know where to go to church. Just email me, Dusty at DustyOtis.com. Say, hey, man, I live in Houston. I live in Detroit. I live in um, San Antonio, Tulsa, Oklahoma City, Fort Collins. If you're in Fort Collins, you need to come to my church. That's just it. But if you can't get here with me physically, in person, email me, Dusty at DustyOtis.com, and I'll send you. I'll send you great churches in your area that are actually on mission and not trying to, to be about metrics and, but they want to see life change. They want to see disruption. They want to see better. They want to see people get better in their relationship with God. And so then that's the first thing is to, is to identify where you're going on Easter and commit to go. The second thing is to identify three people that you know that need to be with you. So the big question today is who do you know that's close to you, but far from God? Who do you know that's close to you, but far from God? Identify them, write them down, get it in front of you, commit to pray for them, start investing in them. You're going to invest in all three because it's likely that one will tell you no. It'd be awesome if all three said yes. 80% of people who you invite to church will say yes. If you'll invest in them, don't ask Don't ask somebody the Friday before Sunday to go to church with you. That's not cool. Okay. Spend the next five weeks and that's what we're going to do. To, next, next week, we're going to be talking about the outsider, the outsider. And so then... We have to understand this. The longer that we sit here and get complacent, the more ground that we're giving to the devil. And the devil only wants people lost. He wants people confused. He wants people stuck. He wants them addicted. He wants them in bondage. And what you need to know is we live for what, what lasts. We live for what lasts. There's only one thing that lasts. It's people. For your, wherever your treasure is, where your heart will be. God's treasure is people. How do we store up treasure in heaven? We send people along. And so then, 1 John 3.18 says, Let us not love merely in theory, with word or with tongue, giving lip service to compassion, but in action and in truth, in practice and in sincerity, because practical acts of love are more than words. Let's not just say it. Let's take action. Do for one. Identify the one. We talked about the one who brought you. We talked about you being the one. Now today, identify those three. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. That's how reaching your house, how leading your house happens. That's how it begins. That's how leading at your work. That's how leading in your community starts. In the story, Jesus was teaching. And you got to know that all the people were saying, amen, amen. And man, I wish my brother was here to hear this. I wish my husband was here to hear this. I wish my crazy nephew was here to hear this. But their back was turned to the one who had the need. And those who needed what Jesus had couldn't get to him. And what I want you to see is sometimes we have our back to the people who have the greatest needs. It's our family. It's our friends. It's our coworkers. How many of you right now know someone close to you but far from God? Your reasons for that are going to vary. Write them down. Write them down. Write them down. Who do you know that needs real community, that needs to be around other people who are going to be uplifting and build them up? 
Don't be, don't believe me just enough to show up on Easter Sunday to your church or to my church. Believe enough to make a difference. Write their name down. Pray for them. Invest in them over the next few weeks. Not for me. Not for us. Not for some building. For them. For them to extend hope because you believe in a God who saved you and forgave your sins and changed your life. The first time I led this, I thought I had five names on a piece. I thought I had five names. And when I wrote those five names down, I realized that four of them were married, so I included their spouses. And then I wrote their name down. I realized that they had kids. And when I wrote their names down, I realized that they had friends. And at the end of it, I had, it was 79 or 97. It's been a long time. I had, I had nearly 80 names for sure, if not 90. And so I challenged our teams to do the same thing. And what happened is um, out of 56 leaders, we wrote down 730 names. And our church, our body, tripled on Easter Sunday. Now, each of those people have a story, and it's not about the number. But it's about writing these people's names down, committing to pray with them, pray for them, investing in them, and believing, anticipating that God's going to do the same thing in their life that he did in yours, if you will be a bringer and invite. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to share this word today. Help it to get into the minds and the hearts of people, Lord, so it can get from their head to their heart and from their heart to their feet so they can live as examples every single day. Thanks for letting me be a part of what you want to do here on planet Earth. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me today. A huge thanks to those of you who support our ministry. You make what we get to do in Michigan, Oklahoma, Texas, and Colorado possible with those weekly outreaches to our hospital heroes and public service men and women. It's a big deal to get to do that and to support the people who are caring for our communities. So go ahead and click the link in the description to become a partner, or you can visit livefreetofine.com and click the giving link. If you enjoyed the podcast, please take a minute to like and subscribe or share it with a friend. Thanks again for being here today. God bless you.